Chapter Ten of *The King of Elfland's Daughter* by Lord Dunsany. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten: The Ebbing of Elfland. Next morning, Alveric came up to the tower to the witch Zerundarel, weary and frantic from searching all night long in strange places for Lirazel. All night he had tried to guess what fancy had beckoned her out and whither it might have led her. He had searched by the stream by which she had prayed to the stones and the pool where she prayed to the stars. He had called her name up every tower and had called it wide in the dark and had had no answer but echo. And so he had come at last to the witch Zerundarel. Whither, he said, saying no more than that, that the boy might not know his fears. Yet Orion knew and Zerundarel all mournfully shook her head. The way of the leaves, she said, the way of all beauty. But Alveric did not stay to hear her say more than her first five words, for he went with the restlessness with which he had come, straight from the room and hastily down the stair, and out at once into the windy morning to see which way those glorious leaves were gone. And a few leaves that had clung to cold branches longer, when the gay company of their comrades had gone, were now, too, on the air, going lonely and last, and Alveric saw they were going southeast towards Elfland. Hurriedly he then donned his magical sword in its wide scabbard of leather, and with scanty provisions hastened over the fields after the last of the leaves, whose autumnal glory led him, as many a cause in its latter days, all splendid and fallen, leads all manner of men. And so he came to the upland fields with their grass all gray with dew, and the air was all sparkling with sunlight, and gay with the last of the leaves, but a melancholy seemed to dwell with the sound of the lowing of cattle. In the calm bright morning, with the northwest wind roaming through it, Alveric came by no calm, and never gave up the haste of one who has lost something suddenly. He had the swift movements of such, and the frantic air. He watched all day over clear wide horizons, southeast where the leaves were leading, and at evening he looked to see the elfin mountains, severe and changeless, unlit by any light we know, the color of pale forget-me-nots. He held on restlessly to see their summits, but never they came to view. And then he saw the house of the old leather-worker who had made the scabbard for his sword, and the sight of it brought back to him the years that were gone since the evening when first he had seen it, although he never knew how many they were, and could not know, for no one has ever devised any exact calculation whereby to estimate the action of time in Elfland. Then he looked once more for the pale blue elfin mountains, remembering well where they lay, in their long grave row, past a point of one of the leather-worker's gables, but he saw never a line of them. Then he entered the house, and the old man still was there. The leather-worker was wonderfully aged. Even the table on which he worked was much older. He greeted Alveric, remembering who he was, and Alveric inquired for the old man's wife. She died long ago, he said, and again Alveric felt the baffling flight of those years, which added a fear to Elfland whither he went. Yet he neither thought to turn back, nor reigned for a moment his impatient haste. He said a few formal things of the old man's loss that had happened so long ago. Then, 
where are the elfin mountains he asked the pale blue peaks a look came slowly over the old man's face as though he had never seen them as though alverick being learned spoke of something that the old leather worker could not know no he did not know he said and alverick found that to-day as all those years ago this old man still refused to speak of elfland well the boundary was only a few yards away he would cross it and ask the way of elfin creatures if he could not see the mountains to guide him then the old man offered him food and he had not eaten all day but alverick in his haste only asked him once more of elfland and the old man humbly said that of such things he knew nothing then alverick strode away and came to the field he knew which he remembered to be divided by the nebulous border of twilight and indeed he had no sooner come to the field than he saw all the toadstools leaning over one way and that the way he was going for just as thorn-trees all lean away from the sea, so toadstools and every plant that has any touch of mystery, such as foxgloves, mullins, and certain kinds of orchis, when growing anywhere near it, all lean towards elfland. By this one may know, before one has heard a murmur of waves, or before one has guessed an influence of magical things, that one comes, as the case may be, to the sea or the border of elfland and in the air above him alverick saw golden birds and guessed that there had been a storm in elfland blowing them over the border from the southeast though a northwest wind blew over the fields we know he went on but the boundary was not there and he crossed the field as any field we know and still he had not come to the fells of elfland then alverick pressed on with a new impatience with the northwest wind behind him and the earth began to grow bare and shingly and dull without flowers without shade without colour with none of those things that there are in remembered lands by which we build pictures of them when we are there no more it was all disenchanted now alverick saw the golden bird high up rushing away to the southeast, and he followed his flight, hoping soon to see the mountains of Elfland, which he supposed to be merely concealed by some magical mist. But still the autumnal sky was bright and clear, and all the horizon plain, and still there came never a gleam of the elfin mountains. And not from this did he learn that Elfland had ebbed, but when he saw on that desolate shingly plain untorn by the northwest wind but blooming fair in the autumn a may-tree that he remembered a long while since all white with blossoms that once rejoiced a spring day far in his childhood then he knew that elfland had been there and must have receded although he knew not how far for it is true and alverick knew that just as the glamour that brightens much of our lives especially in early years comes from rumours that reach us from elfland by various messengers on whom be blessings and peace so there returns from our fields to elfland again to become a part of its mystery all manner of little memories that we have lost and little devoted toys that were treasured once and this is part of the law of ebb and flow that science may trace in all things thus light grew the forest of coal and the coal gives back light thus rivers fill the sea and the sea sends back to the rivers thus all things give that receive even death 
next alberic saw lying there on the flat dry ground a toy that he yet remembered which years and years ago how could he say how many had been a childish joy to him crudely carved out of wood and one unlucky day it had been broken and one unhappy day it had been thrown away and now he saw it lying there not merely new and unbroken but with a wonder about it a splendor and a romance the radiant transfigured thing that his young fancy had known it lay there forsaken of elfland as wonderful things of the sea lie sometimes desolate on wastes of sand when the sea is a far blue bulk with a border of foam dreary with lost romance was the plain from which elfland had gone though here and there alberic saw again and again those little forsaken things that had been lost from his childhood dropping through time to the ageless and hourless region of elfland to be a part of its glory and now left forlorn by this immense withdrawal old tunes old songs old voices hummed there too growing fainter and fainter as though they could not live long in the fields we know and when the sun set a mauve rose glow in the east that alverick fancied a little too gorgeous for earth led him onward still for he deemed it to be the reflection cast on the sky by the glow of the splendor of elfland so he went on hoping to find it horizon after horizon and night came on with all earth's comrade stars and only then alverick put aside at last that frantic restlessness that had driven him since the morning and wrapping himself in a loose cloak that he wore ate such food as he had in the satchel and slept a troubled sleep alone with other forsaken things at the earliest moment of dawn his impatience awoke him although one of october's mists hid all glimpses of light he ate the last of his food and then pushed on through the grayness no sound from the things of our fields came to him now for men never went that way when elfland was there and none but alverick went now to that desolate plain he had travelled beyond the sound of cock-crow from the comfortable houses of men and was now marching through a curious silence broken only now and then by the small dim cries of the lost songs that had been left by the ebb of elfland and were fainter now than they had been the day before and when dawn shone alverick saw again so great a splendor in the sky glowing all green low down in the southeast that he thought once more he saw a reflection from elfland and pressed on hoping to find it over the next horizon and he passed the next horizon and still that shingly plain and never a peak of the pale blue elfin mountains whether elfland always lay over the next horizon brightening the clouds with its glow and moved away just as he came or whether it had gone days or years before he did not know but still kept on and on and he came at last to a dry and grassless ridge on which his eyes and his hopes had been set for long and from it he looked far over the desolate flatness that stretched to the rim of the sky and saw never a sign of elfland never a slope of the mountains even the little treasures of memory that had been left behind by the ebb were withering into things of our every day then alverick drew his magical sword from its sheath but though the sword had power against enchantment it had not been given power to bring again an enchantment that was gone 
and the desolate land remained the same for all that he waved his sword stony deserted unromantic and wide for a little while he went on but in that flat land the horizon moved imperceptibly with him and never a peak appeared of the elfin mountains and on that dreary plain he soon discovered as sooner or later many a man must that he had lost elfland End of chapter 10 The Ebbing of Elfland